Welcome to this foundational episode of the Create Beautifully podcast, where we will dive into the Enneagram and give a wonderful overview for what it is and how and why it is exceptionally useful for any part of your personal growth journey. Welcome to the Create Beautifully podcast, where the potential in me honors the potential in you. If you're wondering if you can really change and truly find and live your purpose, then I invite you to let me be your accountability partner and for you to be mine. And together, we can explore with curiosity and humor what it is to create beautifully in every area of our lives and to take action to make that happen. This episode is going to serve as a basis and introduction to the Enneagram and Enneagram crash course so that you can come back to it at any time in case we're talking about the Enneagram in future episodes and you're like, what is that again? What happened? This is going to be a great overview. We're going to talk about what it is, how it can help you, and why I'm doing an entire episode just on this and why it would be something that we would talk about a lot in our inner and outer journeys toward our purpose and toward a better life and toward uncovering who we were meant to be. Uh, I will tell you that there is also a freebie. So as we go on and talk about the Enneagram, you may start thinking, I'd like to learn more about this. I wanna know what my number is. And I've got a great freebie that is a whole bunch of resources. So websites, quizzes, my favorite podcasts, my favorite Instagram accounts, and a couple TikTok accounts if you wanna dive in and learn more about the Enneagram. So you can download that at enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. That's enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. I also wanna note for those of you listening to the podcast, there is a visual version of this on YouTube. So in case you hear me reference anything visual and you're listening to the podcast, that's what I'm talking about. You don't have to go watch it. It is not necessary to see anything visual. However, I like explaining things with visuals. I think it helps, so I did wanna make a video version of this. So let's get started and do our introduction to the Enneagram. So what is the Enneagram? We're gonna start as if you have no idea what it is, and some of you might know and some of you might not know. The Enneagram, at first glance, most people can think of it as a personality typing system, something along the lines of Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder. However, those are pretty set in stone. So once you know your Myers-Briggs, once you know your StrengthsFinder, that's what they are. You kind of live inside of that. But the Enneagram, there's a lot more movement in here and it's really a tool for personal and spiritual growth. What it is, is a description of nine personality types. Each of these personality types has a mental, emotional, and behavioral pattern. It describes nine fundamentally different ways of seeing the world, which is wild because I know a lot of times we look at lots of other people and we go, why don't they see it the way I do? Why don't they see it the way I do? And honestly, they're probably a different Enneagram number and they're designed to see the world differently than you, which is both frustrating sometimes and also beautifully liberating at other times. The Enneagram is absolutely a tool for spiritual transformation and personal growth. I love thinking of the Enneagram as a map. It is a map of where you are, 
where you regularly go to, and what breaking free can look like. So in this map of where you are, it's so wonderful to know where you are because that can tell you where you need to go. If you're lost somewhere and you're thinking, I want to know how to get home, you need GPS. You need a map. You just can't start walking unless you're some like crazy Eagle Scout. And I'm sure some of you are. (laughs) But you need some type of map. And even if you are an Eagle Scout, you're using the stars. You're using pieces of nature, right? There's pieces of the world map that you're using. And this is a map of our personality. So what it can do, it can show us where we are and it can show us our automatic habitual responses to life. Each personality type is going to have their own reactions, their own automated, automatic, habitual reactions and responses to life. So when we look at the Enneagram, we can see where we are. Now, if we want to break free of those, if we would like to get out of these habitual patterns and grow spiritually, how do we do that? The Enneagram actually doesn't tell us necessarily how to do that. So if we think of the Enneagram as the map, and then we can think of healing modalities as the transportation. So um, talk therapy, body work, journaling, meditation, uh, yoga, whatever it is that, that is going to help you heal traumas, move forward, get unstuck. We're going to think of those as kind of like our cars and our boats and our motorcycles that's going to be able to drive us around the Enneagram, drive us into higher versions of ourselves, more spiritually sound versions of ourselves, okay? Okay, so I love this quote. There's a quote from Sandra Matry. I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right. Um, It's M-A-I-T-R-I, and she wrote a book called The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram. It is dense, but it is beautiful. And this is what she says about what the Enneagram has to offer us. Listen to this. The Enneagram's deeper function is to point the way to who we are beyond the level of personality a dimension of ourselves that is infinitely more profound, more interesting, more rewarding, and more real. Who would not want that? I'm going to read that one more time. The Enneagram's deeper function is to point the way to who we are beyond the level of personality, a dimension of ourselves that is infinitely more profound, more interesting, more rewarding, and more real. As we get into the Enneagram and the nine personalities, and just like Sandra says here, it is beyond the level of personality. So the Enneagram kind of shows us the personality traps that we can get stuck in and how this type, the number, which is also called type, how it can just kind of automatically rule what we're doing. So if any of you have done spiritual work before or any type of growth work, you've heard the concept of ego, right? Ego is, is running the way a lot of the times. We, are, um, we can let jealousy get in the way because of our ego. We can let anger get in the way because of our ego. There's so many things we, we can fight against, um, you know, feeling vulnerable because of our ego. And so a lot of times in spiritual practices, we are taught to be aware of our ego and say, oh, that's my ego trying to make a decision. That's my ego running the show. So inside of the Enneagram, what happens, once we are aware of what our number is, it's like the ego, just this giant concept of the ego gets distilled 
into our type. So as we are having these habitual reactions to the world that aren't possibly serving us the way that we would like them to, instead of saying it's my ego, we can now become aware of, oh, this is the type. This is the type that's running it. And as I say that, I do also want to say that there are some beautiful things about every single number. Every single number has a gift, several gifts, and every single number has struggles. And that's just who we are as humans, right? We have gifts, we have struggles. And a lot of our struggles, as we face them head on and we become aware of them and embrace them, we are, we are more open to grow spiritually. And the more that we embrace our strengths, the more that we find our purpose as well. Okay, so um, this next piece here, if you're watching, there's three categories that are the path to integration. So three different paths to integrating the Enneagram into our lives and using it as something to grow. This is from the Narrative Enneagram, and I do want to mention I am in the process of becoming a certified um, Enneagram teacher through the Narrative Enneagram. They're one of the oldest schools. Right now, they are internationally, uh, one of the only like internationally recognized school, and at the time of this recording, I have done 144 training hours with them. And I'm moving into my internship soon. And if you listen to this in a couple months, I may be into my internship or done with my internship. So I just wanted to note a lot of this comes specifically from the Narrative Enneagram. And y'all, I will give you their information. It's also in that free resources guide, enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. But one of the reasons that I love them, that I feel like you may love them too, is... They really center everyone's experience. So if a book says that type ones all look like this, the the narrative Enneagram will look at that and then they will turn to a whole group of people who say, I identify as a one and they will say, okay, real human, what is your experience as a one? And they will center that over any just typed out, list somewhere, which I think is beautiful. Okay, so let's talk about these three paths to integration. So one is psychology, and this is normally the reason people will find themselves at the Enneagram. They'll say, okay, I need something to unstuck myself. Uh, Oh, there's this cool thing called the Enneagram. And that's how they kind of get in. And so what we can do with psychology inside of the Enneagram, we can use the Enneagram to loosen mental and emotional type patterns. Again, when I say type, I'm referring to the number, right? Nine personality types. So type one, type two, type three, type four, etc. So we're loosening mental and emotional type patterns. So when we become aware of the patterns of the type, we can start to see these mental and emotional patterns in ourselves. And once we're aware of them, right, awareness is Uh, the first gigantic key in growth, when we're aware of them, we can start to loosen our grip on them or their grip on us. The second path is spirituality. We can use the Enneagram to increase our capacity to be receptive, to receive guidance from God, the universe, to receive grounding around trust 
and surrender. And there's a lot inside the Enneagram when we start to, again, realize these patterns that we can relax and be more open to receive, which is really all about the spiritual path. And then there's somatics for the third path to integration. And we can become aware of the type structure in the body. So this is fascinating. The type, all of the nine numbers, can show up in distinct ways in our bodies. For example, I'll just give you uh, two quick examples. A lot of times we can see type ones can hold a lot of tension in their neck and their shoulders. Type nines can sometimes um, have a lot of GI issues. And those are just two examples, but it's pretty wild when you start to see where the numbers live in our bodies and how they show up as somatic experiences. And some of that can be healthy and sometimes it can be our body holding on to things. And when we're aware of where, where we're holding, where the type has this hold on us, we can let it go. And then some of those physical symptoms can start to relieve themselves. It's super cool. So this is, if you're watching the video, this is the Enneagram. If you are listening, it is a circle with a nine-pointed figure inside. There is a central triangle which connects the numbers three, six, and nine, which are known as the inner triangle. We're not gonna get into all those details in this episode. Um, and then there is a um, there is a six-pointed figure around it, which connects uh, which connects seven, eight, one, two, four, and five. And if you are watching visually, you'll see that I've taken eight, nine, and one, and I've made them a greenish color. I've taken two, three, and four, and I've made them a reddish. And I've taken five, six, and seven, and I've made them a green. This, you won't normally see this. When you see the any when you see an Enneagram shape, normally all the numbers are all the same. I did this purely for visual learning purposes, because as we dive in here in just a minute, we're gonna learn that the nine numbers are divided into three basic categories. We've got our body and our instinctive centers, which is eight, nine, and one. We have our heart and our feeling center, which is four, three, and two. And we have our head and thinking center, which is five, six, and seven. And each of those correspond to, yes, our head, our heart, and our body. And that is where these centers stem from. So I like to just start to visually, uh, visually separate those out right away because it's it'll help you as you listen, it may help you hear your type a little bit. You may find yourself, oh my gosh, I'm a head type. Oh my gosh, I'm a body type. Oh my gosh, I'm a heart type. And that begins to narrow it down for you. So what does what determines type in the first place? I'm talking about all these types. I'm talking about, you know, head, heart, and body and all these different nine things. And how do you determine what number you are? Is there a quiz? Can someone just tell me? Okay. Yes, there are quizzes, but it's not like Myers-Briggs. It's not like StrengthsFinder. It's not like finding your Hogwarts house. The quiz is actually just designed to give you a starting point. 
A lot of people will take a quiz and say, the quiz told me I was two, I'm a two. Um, but really, the type is determined by motivation. So each number has, has a motivation and it is an internal motivation. So you can't see that in someone. You don't know what someone's thinking. You don't know if someone's thinking, hey, I'm, I, I'm not social because I'm afraid of what everyone's going to think of me. Or I'm not social because I, this particular social group never has an end time and I need to know when I'm going home. Or I'm not social in this particular group because... Um, they just make me feel too different. Like each number is going to have a different motivation. And because, well, yes. Okay. So each number is, each number has a different motivation. Now, a variety of numbers can have similar behaviors. This is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Lots of numbers can have similar behaviors, but the reason that the person is doing that behavior can differ. And it's that reason that they're doing the behavior that is going to point to the type. And you are the only one inside your brain knowing why you are doing this thing. Sometimes people, sometimes people do just really check off a lot of the obvious things about a number. And it's just kind of like, look, yes, like you check off like 99% of this number, but a lot of times we're a little more complicated than that because even though we are one number, we're actually connected to four other numbers. So we have influence of four other numbers. And depending on how they play in, we might get confused about our own number. I've personally bounced around a couple times. <laughs> I've seen other people bounce around a couple times before really landing on what it is. Another way for me to think about motivation is if you were in a vacuum and no one was bothering you, kids weren't knocking on your door, you know, your, your partner didn't need you, work wasn't bothering you, whatever it was, what would you be focused on? What would you be thinking about? What would you be excited about doing? Would your state be excited? Would it be more melancholy? Would it be more fearful? Would it be joyful? Like what in a vacuum? If you're just driving down the road, no stress going on, where where are you? What is what is going on in your brain and in your body? So each person is responsible for their own type. So especially in the narrative Enneagram, we say that you lead with the type. So for me, I lead with type seven. And so I say, I lead with type seven. And I like that language a lot better than I am that number because it also, it also reminds us that we're not stuck in these personality structures. We're not stuck in hab habitual responses. We're not stuck in these ego ways. You know, we, we can break out. It's this personality structure that we've created in order to get along in the world. All of us at some point have taken the type, we've taken this personality and we've put it on going, when I have this personality coat on, 
I feel that I am best equipped to deal with the world. I feel that I am most likely to get what I want when I am wearing this personality coat. And so when we think, yes, this is the way that I can get what I want in the world, absolutely, we're going to put that coat on, right? We're going to put that personality on. We're going to lean right into that type structure. Whether or not we're aware yet of the limits that has or perhaps the kind of the trap of falling into thinking that this is the way to keep us safe when really the way to keep us safe is to continually follow a higher spiritual path, you know? Okay, I promise we're going to get into the types. As we get into the types, listen for yours. Listen for what you might be. Um, when we're done, I will give you some, um, a couple resources. Again, you can download that resource guide, enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. And that'll be all there for you. So if you do take a quiz, what you want to do is start looking into the top two or three numbers, read about them, listen to a podcast about them and see if something really starts to resonate. Typically, People report when they realize their number, when they find their number, one of two things or both typically happen, which is you will feel so seen, almost on a scary level, almost like someone picked your diary up or cracked your brain open and looked at your secret thoughts. And you will be like, how did you know? How did you know this about me? And that very a good indicator that you found your type the other one is you will feel completely called out and possibly angry you may look at it and go no how dare you how dare you call me out on my bs i don't want to do this do not make me look at this do not make me change do not do not point out flaws i don't want any of this f you goodbye (laughs) and if that's the case Just be gentle with yourself. It's okay. You didn't consciously choose this. We all have a type. We all have our reactions. We all have things that are negative and, you know, perceived as negative. And we all have things that are wonderful. So have some compassion and take a look. And maybe it could be a beautiful starting point for you. Okay. Like I said, before we dive in real quick, I am going to talk a little bit up here, right here about how we are connected to four other numbers, because as you go through, you'll probably start thinking like, oh, I'm this number. And then you'll hear another number and you'll go, wait a second, maybe I'm this number. And so what can happen is you may be finding some of the numbers you're connected to. And one, one will really be the one that's like, oh, this is my home. This is me in a vacuum. So we've got what's called wings. So wings, if you literally think of like wings on a bird or an airplane, they're on either side of the bird. They're on either side of the airplane, right? That's what makes them fly. So same with the Enneagram. So for me, like I said, I lead with seven, which means my wings are six and eight. They're the numbers on either side. They're they're not any other numbers. They're connected to the number that you are. So if you lead with a four, your wings are five and three. You have equal access 
to each of those numbers, to their strengths, to their weaknesses, okay? You may find that you are you tend toward one of them. So you may hear someone say, oh, I'm a two with a one wing. I'm a two with a one wing. And that means they're in a vacuum, they're a two, and they have a lot of the one influence. It doesn't mean they're not affected by the three. And it doesn't mean that the three can't suddenly become a more powerful force during a particular season of life and that the one can start to sink away. So just know that you have access to both of your wings. And then there's lines. So using the shape of the Enneagram, using our nine-sided shape, you can look at whatever number you lead with and you can follow it. You can follow the lines that stem from it to two other numbers. And they'll go across the Enneagram in some way or another. So for example, I lead with a seven. And if I follow the Enneagram symbol, I can see that seven goes to one and seven goes to five. So I'm connected to both of these numbers. And these numbers are typically called our stress and security numbers. So we have one number that we go to around stress and one number that we go to around security. Now, it doesn't mean, a lot of, peop a lot of people think the stress number means when we are stressed, we look like a really shitty version of our stress number, okay? So seven goes to one in stress. So some people think like, oh man, so when you're stressed, you just look like a really stressed out one. But that's not, that's not the case. And this is really, really cool and I love this. This is something where we can make conscious choice using the knowledge of the Enneagram. So seven has access to one around stress, which means I can go to one in order to prevent stress. I can look at the one and I can go, wow, okay, as a seven, I can bounce around. I can have that squirrel brain. I can have like the next, I can have, you know, shiny object syndrome. Um, and when I look at a one, they are, they are organized and they are systematic. So while sometimes when I'm stressed as a seven, sevens can stress clean, I'll be like, oh my gosh, my house is a mess. I can't calm down until it's clean, okay? So that would be kind of, that would be me just like, I'm already stressed and now I'm going to one in order to try to relieve it. Or I can also go to one beforehand and go, okay, just like this podcast, for example, okay, I know that I go, I bounce from thing to thing and I can be inconsistent, right? I've talked about that, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to seven. Um, and I can be inconsistent. So I'm gonna access my connection here to one and I'm gonna create a plan and a system so that I don't get stressed. And I think that is really damn cool. And so, for example, five is my security point and fives, Fives are, um, a lot of fives can be introverts. And so I know, even though as a seven, there's a lot of outward energy that we have, I have to have downtime, which is kind of like my five. I, ha I have energy that kind of just goes like, boo, and I'm done. And this is a little bit five-ish. So in order to just feel secure in what I'm doing as a seven, I can like, build in rest time and make sure that I have it so that I can feel really 
secure. Also, sometimes when I start to, to um, if I start to get a little stressed and kind of energied out, I will go to five again to just calm down. Um, as well, five five in in an opposite to seven. We'll get to this in a minute, but I'm just giving you an example here. Again, seven can be inconsistent. We can bounce around with ideas. We're very good idea generators and we're very good starters. But fives, for example, are great at finishing. They're great at just diving deep and long into a topic. And so I can also, as I evolve as a seven, go, hey, I I love all my ideas, but I but I really want to finish some things. That would feel really great and secure for me. And really start to build on who I am and what I want out of this world, and that's an access to 5. So, it's pretty cool. So, you've got your wings on either side and you've got your lines, your stress and security lines, and they're really really awesome. If you are looking um if you're watching the video, I've got a little slide up that shows where each number goes in stress and security. You can check that out. That is also going to be on the resource guide. So that'll be nice and easy for you to just see on the resource guide what numbers go where in stress and what numbers go where in security. All right. We are finally we're half an hour in and we are finally going to get into the types. All right, let's do an overview of the types. We are going to go through them in those three sections, the head, heart, and body. Each type that we discuss, we're gonna discuss their general strengths, their general struggles, their motivation, which is what is gonna determine the type, their idealization, and we'll get into this, but idealization is kind of the thing that they think in order to feel worthy in any given situation. And then their focus of attention. So where the brain, or the emotions automatically go and hang out. This is in that vacuum. Where are you hanging out? So let's start in the head types. Real quick, a quick note I wanna make about head types is it is very easy to think, oh, I'm probably a head type because I'm always in my head. Now, the head is where we have conscious thought. So no matter what type you are, a head, heart, or body type, you're gonna process in your head. <laughs> it's where you're gonna do your thinking. <laughs> so even if you're a body type, it's not like, oh, I don't use my head, I'm in my body. So beware about getting caught in the trap of I'm in my head, so I must be a head type. If you're a heart type, you're taking these emotions in and you're processing them in your head. If you're a body type, you're taking things in kind of through your gut, but then you're making decisions about them using your head. So it's, <laughs> don't get caught. Don't get caught in that. I must be a head type um, trap. Make sure you've, make sure you've, you know, taken a look at your, um, at all your options here. And also, you know, there there also may be part of you that's a head type because you may have a wing, right? You could have an eight with a seven wing. You could have a four with a five wing, or you could be another number across the Enneagram that is connected to a head type. So even though you feel head, it may or may not be true. It could be a wing. It could just be the way because if that's where we have conscious thought, or it could be one of your stress or security points. So just throwing that out there. 
Okay, our head types are five, six, and seven. This is also the thinking types. Their primary emotion is fear. So each group is gonna have a primary emotion and it is not a positive emotion. <laughs> and here's another thing to not get caught up in. Try not to get stuck in, oh, but I'm not really fearful or whatever it is, whatever, whatever you hear, like, oh, I'm not, I don't feel that all the time. I don't walk around feeling this negative thing. What's happening is you're using the type in order to try to overcome that emotion. So as a seven, and I have a pretty strong six wing, um, there's fear. I have fear of the unknown a lot. Um, and it's kind of like a hum. So I will often use the personality type of the seven, of the six, to try to happy my way out of fear or to try to plan my way out of fear. Um, so, so we're using the types to kind of like, oh, I, I feel this thing creeping in. I'm going to lean on my type to get out of it. Does that make sense? And it doesn't mean it's there all the time. We could be doing a really good job of using our personality type to not feel it. However, whenever we find ourselves in our darker moments, it's normally this primary emotion that's going to be there. Um, the head types five, six, and seven are concerned with safety and security and gathering information in order to what? Try to avoid the fear, right? try to make it go away. So they try to resolve fear um, by staying up in their heads and detaching from their emotions. All right, let's get into a number now. <laughs> five. Five is known as the observer. Fives are very concerned with protecting their energy and their resources. That is actually their motivation. Their motivation is to protect their energy and resources and also to gain knowledge. Protect energy and resources and to gain knowledge. Out of this, the strengths that come are their scholarly, knowing, thoughtful, calm in a crisis, typically. They can be respectful, trustworthy, and appreciative of simplicity. Remember, a quick note I want to make as we go through this and as I describe each number, I'm describing the number at its most distilled point, right? So, so this is a true, true five, T not taking into account how wings or lines may affect it. So as you're listening and you're going, uh, some of this sounds like me, but some of it doesn't. A lot of it sounds like me, but some of it doesn't. That's okay. Some of it might not because some of it might be affected by another number. So you're just kind of looking for a motivation that really hits you and then maybe like a good chunk of the number. Okay, so out of the motivation of to protect energy, resources, and gain knowledge, the struggles are that they can detach from life. They can have a very sensitive nervous system, meaning they can't be in social situations very long. They need to know, you know, what the start time is, what the end time is. Uh, and they're, and they're very aware of when their energy runs out, like when their battery needs recharging, they know at all times, like what that percentage is. Uh, they can see requests as demands and they can feel the pain of loneliness. Their idealization, which is this kind of worthiness mantra, 
okay, this thing that they walk around in order to feel worthy in any given situation, they think, I am knowledgeable. I'm knowledgeable. I'm knowledgeable. I'm knowledgeable. And if they ever don't feel knowledgeable, it feels really shitty. (laughs) Their focus of attention, where their brain is a lot, is about intrusion. Don't bother me. Don't mess with my energy. Don't mess with my resources. And then also just knowledge, just research, reading, PhDs, um, uh, you know, master's degrees. Like, you know, we're pretty sure that, uh, for example, Bill Gates is a five. Um, so that should give you a good example of that. So that is the five. The six, known as the loyalist or the skeptic or the loyal skeptic. Their motivation is to be safe by anticipating possible harm. To be safe by anticipating possible harm. So this can be this can be something obvious, right? Like, oh gosh, I think the plane's gonna crash. Or if we, you know, get in the car, everyone's gotta be buckled and we all have to wear our safety belts and we've gotta wear helmets when we go bike riding, right? It can be obvious, kind of like that, but it can also show up, for example, in work. So a six could show up in work as like, okay, you know, before we launch this next thing, let's anticipate anything that could go wrong in the launch and let's really make sure that we've filled in the gaps to make sure it's there. These are these are great people to travel with. Um, sometimes you sometimes sixes cannot be it's possible that they won't be the most um, spontaneous. However, they will they're gonna be the person who's got like like the um, the backup plan. They know they've got like a second map, they've got the first aid kit, they've got the plans, like everything is great. So out of their motivation to be safe by anticipating possible harm come some strengths, which is they're very thoughtful, they're warm. Typically, they can be very protective, devoted to others, sensitive, loyal, fair, and full of ideas. So the idea of the loyal skeptic, right? So skeptic is kind of like, eh, what's going to go wrong, right? But then the loyalty piece is around that possible harm. So the loyalty piece is, if I'm loyal to you, you will be loyal to me, and then I am safe. Make sense? So the idealization, this the worthy, the worthiness mantra is, I am loyal. I am loyal. And the focus of attention, where their brain goes, is hazard or worst case scenario. And again, it can show up where in some, in some areas they may feel fine. But then in other areas of life, it really may be like where they're very aware of worst case scenario, finances, business, relationships, travel, whatever it is. They can be very aware of hazard and worst case scenario and trying to plan to prevent it. Because again, this is a head type that's really going to analyze all up in their brains. Okay, seven, this uh, this number is known as the Epicure. Just so you guys know, there are actually a lot of names for each numbers. I'm using the ones that kind of stand out, but um, there may be something you like better. So as you look through the resources, if you like a num- if you like the name of a number better that feels really good to you, go with that. Okay, so the motivation for this for this seven is stimulation, to feel pleasure, to have freedom and options stimulation, feel pleasure, to have freedom and options. So out of this motivation comes the strengths, such as loving life, thinking positive, being playful, 
enjoyable, inventive, imaginative, energetic, optimistic, and loves possibilities. As a seven, I cannot stress the loving possibilities enough. So uh, out of this motivation of stimulation, feel pleasure, freedom, and possibilities can come the struggles of staying on the surface of a lot of things and not going deep. This is kind of that um, shiny object syndrome. They can repeat the same mistakes over and over and over, not kind of in a kind of in a way of not realizing that they've made a mistake, kind of being like, it's okay because it's actually positive. It's okay because it's actually positive. Like I'll just do it again. It's fine. Um, and avoiding pain. And again, just kind of jumping, they can jump from thing to thing to thing. Um, the idealization, this kind of worthiness statement is, I am okay. I'm okay. It's kind of has like a hang 10 vibe to it, is how I think of it. Like, I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Everyone's okay. Don't cry. We're okay. Let's just have fun. It's okay. Now, when you, you know, like I, I just mentioned to you guys, we just talked about the six, the hazard scenario. So when you combine a seven with a six wing, which is mainly what I am, you get an interesting combo. Um, so the focus of attention here is pleasant options and also planning. Pleasant options and planning these pleasant options for the future. Future planning pleasant options. Okay, those were our head types. How did you feel? Check in. Do you know anyone in, in your life who might be a head type? All right, we're going to move on to the heart types. Two, three, and four. So the primary emotion here, remember, this is not this does not mean you walk around feeling this all the time. This means, this means that this might be something that bubbles up, that maybe you try to keep away, or maybe, maybe you let it sit. Maybe you kind of marinate in this feeling a little bit. The primary emotion for the heart slash feeling center is sadness or distress. Two, threes, and fours are concerned with getting their value from the response from others. So remember the head type was concerned with gathering information and safety and security. Our heart types get their value from the response from other people. So they're really looking outward to get their value. They avoid grief by striving to find approval and connection outside of themselves. So two, two is known as the giver or the helper. The two's motivation is to receive affirmation by meeting other people's needs. Receive affirmation by meeting other people's needs. So they meet other people's needs and they want you to thank them for it <laughs> in lovely ways, whether that's words, gifts, whatever. They need to be thanked as well as just as meeting other people's needs. Out of this motivation comes their strengths, which is they're very giving, very helpful, generous, very sensitive to the feelings of others, supportive, willing, energetic, and appreciative. A lot of fours smile a lot and will physically lean in when they talk to you. Out of this motivation of receive affirmation by meeting other people's needs also come their struggles, which is they will repress their own needs because if they have their own needs, that gets in the way of meeting other people's needs and they're getting their worth by meeting other people's needs. So they repress their own needs. 
They can consciously or unconsciously, so don't freak out if this is you, this can be an unconscious thing. They can, they can manipulate others in order to meet their own needs. So kind of like, I'm going to do all these things for you so that you will now behave in a way that helps me. Um, they can experience emotional overwhelm pretty easily. They can definitely feel like their cup is empty. These are the people that are can really kind of talk about like, I need to fill my cup. <laughs> and they can take on way too much. These are kind of people that are like, oh, did you need me to, can I make you dinner? Can I drive you somewhere? Can I bring something to you? Or meanwhile, like their own family is like, we're hungry, we need you to drive us places. And meanwhile, their own like spiritual system is like, can you please just chill and take care of yourself for a minute? So this is, this is two. Their idealization slash worthiness mantra that's not an Enneagram phrase, by the way, worthiness mantra. I, I'm gonna, I'd like to claim that. <laughs> so worthiness mantra for a two is I am helpful. I am helpful. And that makes them feel really damn good. And if they don't feel helpful, that's when they can feel sadness or distress, right? Just like we talked about in the heart center. And they can start to cling to ways to feel helpful again. And their focus of attention is, is the needs of others. So in a vacuum, they are thinking about the needs of others. Okay, so three. Three, actually in our two, three, and four triad, um, our twos and our fours really lead with the heart. And the three actually kind of does the opposite. And, and it kind of moves away from the heart, even though it's a heart center. So the three's motivation is to receive recognition for accomplishments receive recognition for accomplishments. So the three, probably the three and the eight have some of the most natural, innate well of energy to go out and get shit done. They don't necessarily need accountability partners. The threes and the eights in my lives actually uh, find accountability partners irritating. It doesn't mean that all three and eights will feel like this. But threes and eights are really like, hey, guess what? This is my goal, watch me get it. Whereas other numbers might be like, I don't know how they did that. How did they do that? I get tired or I get stuck in my head or I just, I just, I don't feel like doing it anymore. Whatever it is, whatever it is, threes typically have this like, I see it, I'm gonna get it. So their motivation to receive recognition for accomplishments, right? If that's what makes them feel the most worthy, that's what they're going to go do. And so out of this motivation comes their strengths. They're great leaders, typically. They can take action easily. They're great at creation, literally, like literally creating things. Um, they can be very encouraging. They're great problem solvers. They're very competent. And they have an ability to provide. Out of the motivation of receive recognition for accomplishments also comes their struggles, which is they can deceive themselves about their true needs. So where the two just kind of puts their needs to the side, the three just kind of lies to themselves about needing anything in the first place. <laughs> they can have an inability to be still and be with what is and they can feel a great need to chase away sadness and anxiety. They can often feel like feelings get in the way of getting things done. Feelings are just something that gets in the way. 
their idealization slash worthiness mantra is I am successful and capable. I am successful and capable. And they will, you know, walk into a situation, walk into a room, tell themselves, you know, when they need a pep talk, like looking in a mirror, I'm successful, I'm capable. And that makes them feel worthy and good. And it also keeps away that sadness and distress, right? That's what they're trying to do. Their focus of attention is approval for tasks and accomplishments. So in a vacuum, they're like, I finished something, I'm accomplishing things. Yes, do you approve? Excellent, I will go finish and accomplish some more things. All right, let's move on to four, the last in our heart center. The four is known as the romantic or the individualist. The four's motivation is a little bit complicated, but I'm if you are a four, you will love that your motivation is a little bit complicated. <laughs> the motivation for the four is to continue the longing by focusing on what's missing and feeling a longing or a need to obtain whatever they feel is ideal. So let's talk about this. Continue the longing by focusing on what's missing. There's this kind of, if we kind of think of this like tortured artist, if we if we take that as a bit of an extreme example, if we if we take that idea and dial it back a little bit, we kind of land on a four, which is this: they just notice what's missing. They can notice what's missing in a relationship. They can notice what's missing in an environment, in a in a room. Um, it can show up and work really well if they're like, hey, just like our launch example from before, hey, before this goes out. I found five things were missing. <laughs> People are going to wonder, what the hell? There's this weird gap we have. I see it. Um, and they are they are part of a, a group of numbers inside of the Enneagram called the I- idealistic triad. So they can really see an ideal and it can really be around kind of a poetic, romantic version of life. And they really want that they want life to be a poem they want life to kind of have this melancholic soundtrack um a four if you're a four and i say this next phrase you will be like oh (laughs) and either you will sigh because like you are a four or you have strong four influence fours when i say and this this came out of my enneagram training so this isn't from me but but when i say How do you feel about the flower that has grown through the crack in the sidewalk? Fours will be like, oh, oh, it's so beautiful and poetic and I'm going to stop and I'm going to write a poem about it and I'm going to think about how it represents my life. Like this is four. This is this continuing the longing by focusing on what's missing. And this, this, this romantic ideal of the world is what leads them to focus on what's missing and why can't it be like this? So out of that motivation comes their strengths. They're very sensitive. They can be extremely creative because they really are in touch with, with kind of this, this side of human nature. Um, they can be very intense. They can be romantic. They, can, they have a high appreciation, high, high appreciation for the unique and the singular and feeling unique. They can appreciate aesthetics and they're very empathetic. 
they have an incredible ability to sit in their own feelings and just be there without a need to get out of them. <laughs> they, um, they, can al- they also have an incredible ability typically to sit with other people and their feelings. If you're going through a really hard time and you have a friend that's a four, they will be able to just sit with you and let you cry and feel and do whatever without asking you, when are you gonna get out? When are you done? They will just be with you. Um, along, you know, with this motivation of the longing by focusing on what's I, what's missing, needing to obtain the ideal, they can also, um, fours has also have a very strong sense that they want, they want to be unique, that they are unique. The rules don't apply to them. Um, a lot of fours can actually resist claiming their number. <laughs> You'll, I, I've met several fours, uh, and who I, who I feel are fours. And they just, no, I'm not that. No, I don't know if four is me. I don't know if four is me. I don't know if four is me. And it can be around not wanting to feel like they're put in any type of a box. Um, yes. Uh, sevens, by the way, can also resist being put in a box in a slightly different way. Um, but that this is this is one of the reasons that fours are also called the individualist because they're they are so they can be so keen to be unique that it will spill over into feeling like they don't fit in anywhere. So it's like I desperately want to be unique and also you don't understand me and now that's what's missing. <laughs> Uh, and I giggle only because it this just like all the types, the types just create their own circular patterns. Um, okay, so the idealization slash worthiness mantra of four is I am unique and authentic. I am unique. I am authentic. It can also be I am deep sometimes. Um, their focus of attention is what's missing. What's missing? What's missing in my life? What's missing in my being? What's missing in the world? What's missing in you, you know, and how, you know, what do I need to do to, to get it? All right. All right. That was our heart types. So let's move in to our body types, eight, nine, and one. So the primary emotion here is anger. And our eight, nine, and one types are concerned with power and control and devotion to fairness. They're typically against the way things are. It can be um, hard for eight, nine, and one to just be with what is. (laughs) They're typically against the way things are and want to shift it in some way. And similar similar to how the three was actually a little bit opposite, We actually have our nine here that's a little bit opposite as well. So let's dive in. So eight is known as the protector. The eight's motivation is to protect themselves and others from vulnerability and to have an impact. To protect themselves and others from vulnerability and to have an impact. And out of this motivation comes their strengths. They are strong. They are powerful. Again, remember, this is the other number that has typically can just have this well of energy, this reservoir that just says, I am, I'm going to go achieve this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to achieve this thing. And they can do it. Um, they're, they can be very intense. 
very determined, very persistent, very protective of others, truthful, fair, and straightforward. These are like the no BS people, like the most no BS <laughs> in the Enneagram. Like it is like, do not bullshit me. Do not try to bullshit me. I will see you right through it. And I also won't bullshit you, which means you may not like everything that comes out of their mouth because they will tell you the effing truth straight to your face. <laughs> and that is, that's the way that they do it. Um, in order to protect themselves and others from vulnerability, we also get struggles. So they can deny their own fear. And in their denial of own, their own fear, they can their anger can come out at other people a lot. Um, look, if I'm just mean or if I'm uh, forceful, I guess forceful might be a better one. If, I, if I'm forceful because I'm afraid, then what I'm going to do is just is, is be forceful and I'm covering up my own fear. They, this is, this is, I feel like this next piece is really key for eights. So they can have self-defeating behaviors resulting from anything around too much, too soon, too loud, too long, too many. And that can be a whole host of things. Um, their idealization or worthiness mantra is, I am strong and powerful. I'm strong and powerful. And just think, like, if that anger starts to come up, it's like, I got it. I'm strong and powerful. Um, and their focus of attention is power and control. Um, eights, just so you guys know, eights are also can also be intense defenders. It, they're called the protector for a reason. Um, it is highly believed that Martin Luther King Jr. was an eight, for example. Yeah, to protect self and others from vulnerability. Eights can, eights can be intense in both kind of positive and, um, I don't want to say negative, but it, like intense ways. Uh, you'll know if you have an eight in your life. Okay, nine is the mediator. So nine is this one that kind of, that kind of like is just like, oh, we're just going to pretend that there's not, I'm not angry. We're just not angry. <laughs> so their motivation is to keep the peace by seeking harmony and avoiding conflict. Keep the peace and by seeking harmony and avoiding conflict. You will often hear nines just be like, I just want peace. I just want things to be peaceful. I don't, I don't care where we, where we go to dinner. Whatever is just going to keep the peace. Whatever is going to make everyone feel good. Like I, I'm game for that. Yeah, you want to go there? Let's go there. So out of this motivation comes their strengths. They're very caring. They're very attentive to others. They're giving. They're very even-keeled people. They're calming. They're non-judgmental, supportive, and accountable. And in the motivation of keeping the peace by seeking harmony and avoiding conflict, their struggles, they can be unaware of their own feelings because they're so willing to go with the flow with other people. This is slightly different than the two. The two is like, I want to reach out and help you. And the nine is like, yeah, we'll just do what you want because that's just going to be easier. So they can be unaware of their own feelings. They can also go along with others to keep the peace and they can start to resent it later. And they can struggle with containing their energy, especially their anger. Um, they, can, they can let a lot of their anger rest 
and it can start to build up, um, like I said at the very beginning, in their stomach because they are a body type. So it can hang out there and become GI issues that they're just never really aware of and they don't really want to let their anger out because that would go against the motivation of keeping the peace, wouldn't it? (laughs) Their idealization slash worthiness mantra is, I am peaceful and harmonious. And don't all these worthiness mantras make sense? Like every worthiness mantra, I can 100% see how anyone could be feeling fear, sadness, anger, you know, just feeling anxiety, discomfort, whatever it is, and be like, okay, okay, okay. Let me go back to the thing I know about myself. I am peaceful. I am harmonious. Or, you know, if we go to another, like, I am knowledgeable. Like, okay, okay, whatever. Like, I'm just going to remember that about myself and I'm going to walk in, right? And I'm going to ground myself in this idealization. The problem with all these idealizations, all these worthiness mantras, is when it starts to become, I have to be these things. I have to be peaceful. I have to have pleasant options. I have to have knowledge. I have to be different, right? When we get caught in the have to of our worthiness mantra is when it gets really tricky and when we, when our type really just gets this grip on us. Um, so the focus of, that was a quick aside, the focus of attention for the nine is other people's agendas. What do you guys want? What do you all want? Yep, sounds good. Let's do that. All right, our last number. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of us for getting this far. The one, also known as the perfectionist or the reformer. Um, and what I don't have on my slide here, if you're watching, is actually my favorite my favorite name for the one, I can't believe I don't have this on here, is the improver. A lot of ones don't like perfectionist. Um, I have, I connect to one and there is a lot of one if we overlay this with astrology, which is fun to do, one is kind of similar to Virgo. I have a lot of Virgo. So there's a lot of one that I understand, even though it is not my home base. Having connection to that, it is the improver for me and uh, some other people I've known that makes a lot of sense. So the motivation here to, is reform and improve. To reform and improve. And we could see how that could be a really valuable motivation um, in a lot of places, in social justice, uh, at work, in communities. There's a lot of great stuff, right? So in this motivation to reform and improve, their strengths are correct action. They really try to, the things that they do, they really try to be like, is this correct? Is this is this good? Is this the right way to go? Um, they have great honesty, responsibility, um, they are also in the idealism group, like I mentioned with that four. So they they have they see how things should be and they want them to be that way. They have very high standards. Um, there is a lot of concern for improvement, again, which can be great in certain situations, not great in other situations. Uh, and they can seek justice. There's a lot of justice seeking inside of a one. So when their motivation is to reform and improve, their struggles can be, they have a very loud and constant inner critic. Like if you ever go to a one and you're like, you know, you X, Y, and Z, 
they in their brain are like, I effing know. Like I know all of my problems. I know all of my failures. I know all of my weaknesses and I'm constantly being yelled at by my inner critic. They can also delay pleasure. Let me let me do the right thing for a really long time before I go have fun. Now, I mentioned as a seven that I moved to one in, right, sevens moved to one uh, in stress. It is, it is their stress point, so they can use it around stress, which means the opposite is also true. So although ones typically delay pleasure, they move to seven in security. So a lot of times ones can let loose (laughs) like crazy let loose like dancing on tables level of letting loose which is awesome um okay sorry uh with the struggles they can also want to control others and they can be closed-minded to others ideas and that is because they think they have the most correct idea uh and to be fair a lot of times ones are right they are like they just they do a lot of of uh, research. They're really aware of things, and they can be right. Um, but you know, it 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 also depends on how healthy of a one they are. Each number has different levels of health, right? You can be a uh, you can be a lot healthier of a one, and you can be you know a really unhealthy one. You can be a really unhealthy four, five, six, and you can be a really healthy four, five, and six. So there's different levels inside the number. Um, So the one's idealization slash worthiness mantra is, I am right. I am right. Like I could totally see like, you know, anger comes up and it's like, "Eh, I'm right. Period. The end. I am right. (laughs) Their focus of attention is what is wrong, right, and error. So they will spend their time. What is wrong? How can I fix it? Um, What is right? Okay, good. Does it need to be more right? Should I make it more right? Uh, So yeah, so the improvers. The improvers like to improve systems. They like to improve, you know, they can improve businesses. They like to improve others. And they can also just really get caught in a cycle of improving themselves. Um, And that's some of the ways I think where I understand the one uh, improving myself and others. (laughs) Not always appreciated, y'all. Um... All right, we made it to the end. Oh my gosh. Okay, so there is that download that you can get for free, enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. You can go there and you can download a really nice PDF that will have the stress and security points. It'll have a nice picture of the Enneagram and it'll have some really cool places to where you can dive in a little bit more. It's where you can find some quizzes, where you can find some really great information, where you can read some fun stuff um, uh, on Instagram and things like that. I will say if you do just want to dive into something immediately, I do personally recommend narrativeenneagram.org. Narrativeenneagram.org. Again, that is where I have been doing all my training, aside from just reading a ton of books. (laughs) And they have, to me, one of the simplest and clearest breakdowns of each number. So when you go there, you go to the types and you can look up each type and it gives wonderfully organized, bullet-pointed 
outlines of each type. They also have, I believe, three videos of people who lead with that type talking about how they experience that type. And again, the way that you are ultimately going to know your type is to do a little bit of research. You can start out with doing a quiz. You can start out um, with doing a typing interview. I offer these uh, randomly, so you can check those out either at lizahippler.com or createbeautifully.co and see if I'm offering those at the moment. Um, And then ultimately, it's up to you to just do a little reading, listen to a podcast, and do a little bit of soul searching because ultimately, it's also about how well you know yourself and about how well you're willing to look at yourself. And that is always fun. Thank you so much. Come back to this episode at any time if you are lost about anything with the Enneagram. And you can also use any of the wonderful resources that I have laid out for you. My friends, use whatever you need. And I highly recommend the Enneagram to create beautifully. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget that you can download your free resource and cheat sheet guide at enneagramresources.lizahippler.com. Enneagram is E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M resources.lizahippler.com. Again, if you are so inclined to leave a review or share this episode, that would be absolutely magical. 